0: Welcome to Small Business Matters with Alexi Boyd. Whether you're listening live on the Community Radio Network or via podcast, here's the show where you learn from experts, be inspired by journeys, and discover more about making your small business a success. I'm Alexi Boyd, broadcaster, advocate, and small business owner. Let's meet today's guests. Welcome to Small Business Matters with Alexi Boyd. Whether you're listening live on Triple H 100.1 FM or via podcast, here's the show where you'll learn from experts, be inspired by journeys and discover more about making your small business a success. I'm Alexi Boyd, broadcaster, advocate and small business owner. Now we all live, work and spend money in a global economy. E-commerce, virtual assistants, Zoom calls, remote working. These are now not new concepts. So what's stopping you from operating your business globally? As a small business we can struggle to see the bigger picture, scaling, growing internationally, a global business, concepts which can seem out of reach for most of us. But what if this was a real possibility and what if there was a government department to support you to put this in place? You need the right advice and then you're ready for global growth. Trina Blair is an expert in transitioning businesses of all sizes into having a global presence. She's going to explain the logistics, the pitfalls involved with setting up overseas, and some strategies to ensure that you're prepared and not attempting this monumental change to your business by yourself, particularly when you're in growth meltdown. Welcome so much to the show, Trina. It's great to finally be with you. And
1: great to be uh, on the show as well, Alexi. Thank you again for the invitation.
0: Absolute pleasure. This is a topic, it's one of those topics that I look back on my library of, of 200 episodes and go, have we not covered this yet? Because we do live in a global economy and we do um, grow and, and naturally move into those markets. And yet um, there is a lot of support out there, but there's, I guess, a certain amount of process involved that people need to be aware of. So let's, let's talk about that um, just from a real basic standpoint, thinking of your typical Australian business, not that there's really a, a typical <laughs> you consider or what typical circumstances under which would you consider setting up say an office overseas
1: yeah look um thanks alexi look every business is different there is no one set rule um but certainly expanding is an opportunity for a business so we have outgrown the australian market so often that's the the real reason um really taking the opportunities offshore um, also, another circumstance could be that an existing client of yours in Australia is looking for your services or products in that offshore market, and so they will take you into that market. I've, say, I've had clients that have done that with, um, with me where they've had major um, clients here in Australia, they've also got an offshore presence, and the client wants those services in that offshore market. So that's a really, really nice way to get into a market. And the, and the last reason is that there are many business owners that just want to live the dream or the nightmare, as it could be, but basically, you know, they want to realise their long-held dream to launch in an international market. And normally that's the US market. And, so, uh, and that, that for me is a really exciting proposition, but
0: you've got to do it right. So from, it's interesting you should say the US market is the one that we typically move into. Is that because Mm. we're so culturally similar or is it because of the history or is it because something about those ties have been strengthened over the last only few years?
1: It's all of the above. So there is a, a remarkable long-term relationship between Australia and the US. The US is one of the biggest in, or is the biggest investor from an FDI perspective into Australia. So we have very, very strong trade to Culturally, though, it's interesting. We are similar but very different, uh, whether that's um, language, written or verbal, uh, whether it's um, uh, looking at um, the way that we do business, so doing sales and hustling, as as they call it in the US. So we are the same, but, but again, we're also very different. Um, and thirdly, the last piece is around Americans love Australians. They love our work ethic. Uh, they're fascinated by the solutions that we bring. But importantly, if an Australian business has been successful in Australia and they're looking to get into the US market, The americans view australia because it's small in comparison as a really great test market so if your business has been successful in australia americans love that they want to hear about it they want to know what you've done they want to see that success and then they'll support you into that market but it's a long-term trade relationship between australia and us that have got to that point where it opens doors
0: yeah, and I'm, I'm interested to know how that growth phase works because that makes sense. That, that the testing a product or a service here that is quite successful, the next transitionary market would be um, the US or perhaps Europe. Um, and your mention about the fact that they really um, are intrigued by Australians, is it? Uh, a matter of a, a U.S. company, what tends to happen, what tends to be the approach? And American you mentioned American companies wanting to take you with them. But what about a widget, a product or a service? Are they looking at what we're doing here in Australia and keeping an eye on us?
1: Yes. Yeah, so there are a couple of industries uh, particularly that they're very interested in um, and, and uh COVID has really highlighted a couple of those. Um, In fact, there's been a transition of the different types of industries that the US is now looking at from Australia. Certainly telehealth, med tech, medical devices. Australia's always had such a very strong reputation given our investment into the scientific and commercialization process for those industries. But because of COVID, that's really highlighted Australia's strengths um, as tech developers and medical device developers um, in those in that segment, so telehealth, medtech tech um, are really really taking off. The other area which is highlighted Australia again due to COVID and our our ability to manage COVID very well is in the food and beverage, which is interesting because. Again, Americans have always looked at Australia as very favourable, always interested in learning about different products and services. But again, because we've managed COVID so well, it's that healthy lifestyle, that safety in the production of our food and beverage that they're very keen to learn about. And I'm connecting my clients into the US distributors and different partners on that basis. So there's um, the other big areas, renewables, So Australia is beginning to move, certainly at state level around uh, renewables. We probably need to do more at federal level, I think, as we all acknowledge. But um, renewable energy and those solutions also are really important for the U.S. market. And again, um, Australia does have a great opportunity in developing those and, and putting them in front of those U.S. businesses.
0: So imagine I'm a small business owner and I get tapped on the shoulder by, you know, an American company or, you know, there's some reach out there and connection is made. What do I need to think of in terms of the process of having that global presence? What what are the steps? What's the step-by-step nature of it?
1: Yeah, well, actually, there's about 10 different steps that you need to make. Um, and that is even before... Um, you launched over there. So you need to be prepared as a business. You need to know that your business can scale. And I do see this so often that businesses go into the US or any global market and they haven't really done an audit on their business to know if they can scale. So that even looks at things like an inventory management system. One client um, that was wanting to scale, their inventory management system they adopted 10 years ago and it was not scalable for the market that they went into. So they needed to get a new inventory management system before they went offshore. Um, So making making sure that you do your your business audit is really important on whether you can scale. Then you've got to do your market research. So really understand the market that you're going into. Where are your customers? What are your competitive positioning? What's your value proposition? How are you gonna support your offshore market given time zone changes? So there are two major things that you need to do before you then start thinking about your platform to operate. So things like um, managing and and registering any internet, protecting rather, your intellectual property, your trademarks, uh, your patents, your domain names, your website domain names, these are all important things. The other big uh area that i always recommend to clients before they launch is looking at their international tax structures so where are they going to maintain their hq is it australia or is it in the offshore market and what implication does that have not only on the the business but the directors of the business and particularly if the directors are also based in australia so um there there is a lot of pre-work that needs to be done uh before the businesses literally launch in the market and they're they're just a few of those
0: yeah and it's 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 a huge consideration i mean i imagine that quite a lot of um quite uh enthusiastic entrepreneurs might go oh great awesome uh let's go rent some space in new york and away we go and does that happen happen frequently that people are a little bit gung-ho and get into it too quickly Oh,
1: absolutely. There's definitely stars in the eyes for many uh, business leaders and they've not done their preparation. And in fact, you know, we talk about silver linings of COVID and one of the silver linings is that businesses literally are not able to get on that flight to go overseas and have a few meetings, open that store and go, yes, I've, I've launched in the US. What businesses are really now being forced to do is do their market research first and do that in detail. And then now that they've done that, they understand where their customers are, their pricing strategies. Then they start looking to the networks that help them launch in the market. So COVID has actually done us a bit of a favour, I think. Um, And I think over the next few years, we're going to see more Australian businesses be more successful as a result of COVID putting a break on them um, than what we've seen in the past.
0: I love that. It's like reins on a horse, just stop them from running. <laughs> you Absolutely. Like, you almost sound like you're re- relieved, like there's, oh, thank goodness, okay, so now everybody gets to stop and take stock before they make any any large regrettable decisions. Ah, Absolutely.
1: And this was, you know, I've had the business seven years now. And one of the things I kept saying to businesses was, do your market entry strategy right before you launch? Because if you don't, you're going to to waste a lot of time, money and effort. Mm. And those businesses that did take my advice have been successful. So last year when businesses were coming to me mid-COVID and saying we want to launch, I was actually saying do not launch into the U.S., Aside from all the issues that were going on in the US, COVID was out of control. There was an administration that we didn't know which from day to day, which way they were going to go in terms of international policy and visas. Um, So my advice to those businesses last year was do your market entry strategy. Last year during COVID, get that really, really detailed and really know and understand what the market is and the opportunity And now with the US particularly, the vaccine rolls out is being very successful. There's a new administration, much more stable. Businesses are now ready with that research that they've done uh, to launch over there. And and I think they're going to do very, very well.
0: It's interesting that you should mention policy because um, I'm, I'm wondering how much of an impact our own foreign policy can have on the success of businesses to launch overseas. Over your years of, of being in this role, um, do you see it having a major impact or is it something we can kind of get around in terms of processes? Um,
1: I guess, yeah, big question, Alexi. And and the one I want to focus on, um, which I think the government does very well, is some of the grants that are available for Australian businesses to be able to launch internationally. And the one which is not well known, particularly in the small business and the early scale up um, sector, is the Export Market Development Grant Um, that's available through Austrade. It's a terrific grant. The government has increased the amount available um, in the last budget. I don't think, sorry, in last year's budget, I don't think they've increased any for this year's budget. But nevertheless, every business that is looking to go offshore, regardless of the industry that you're in, should be looking at that at that uh, particular grant. It's not onerous. Um, and there are specialists around that can um, uh, write those grant documents if the business doesn't have the, the skills or the capacity or the time to do that.
0: And that's been around for quite a while, hasn't it? And it's helped businesses for many years. Does it um, tend to help businesses in one direction, such as America, like you said, because we've already got those ties, or is it quite open and available to lots of global markets?
1: Lots of global markets. Yeah, it's uh, not only the US market, Um, and and it particularly helps with market research, uh, marketing services. Um, uh, trade shows not that you can do a lot of those in market at the moment but um, all sorts of different um, costs can be reimbursed through that and it's available globally yeah
0: well, we'll definitely make sure um everybody checks out the facebook page um, to find the link to make sure you can access that it's worth just looking into really because like i said we we operate in this global market anyway just being aware of what's available uh before you're ready to to launch or think about launching is is always favorable we're going to take a quick break here on small biz matters and when we return after these community service announcements we're going to be speaking more to Trina Blair about um, non-physical, um, or non-widget like exports such as uh, exporting into a service market and how you can take advantage of those global opportunities. You're listening to Triple H 100.1 FM. We'll be back after this. This episode of Small Biz Matters is proudly sponsored by the Australian Small Business and Family Enterprise Ombudsman's Office. Since its establishment only four years ago, Aspifio has provided education, advocacy and support, including free assistance if a small business is involved in a dispute. The office also provides assistance for disputes that fall under the franchising, dairy, horticultural and oil industry codes. As an independent advocate for small business owners, Aspifio has the legislative power to influence our nation's lawmakers, ensuring legislation and regulations are put in place to help small businesses grow and in these times, survive. Small businesses are the engine room of the economy and it's Aspifio's role to do all they can to ensure they have the freedom to innovate, employ and thrive well into the future and welcome back to Small Biz Matters with Alexi Boyd you're listening to Triple H 100.1 FM thanks so much for tuning in now if you've missed any of today's program you can of course catch up via our podcast which is available on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your small business education and this is number 208 number podcast so there's a huge back back catalog library of information you can do to grow and scale and you know, invest in your business in terms of your time and education. Today's program is all about um, accessing and exporting into a global market in a different way other than, hey, I've got a website so people can just use my services that way. And we're speaking to Trina Blair, who is an expert in this field, has been doing it for many years and has assisted um, businesses of all shapes and sizes to access that global market. So Trina, let's talk about uh, how to, um, I guess, move into that global space without actually physically moving yourself quite a topical thing at the moment because we as Australians (laughs) have basically been told we're not allowed to leave or we can't come back if we do so what how does that work what what's the um the process of having a non-physical presence overseas?
1: Yeah, really very topical and and how does a business take flight when we're all grounded Um, uh, is an interesting concept. Look, it's it's not easy, but it's very possible. And I do have clients that are actually um, uh, launching into international markets, the US, Southeast Asia, UK and EMEA. The question is, um, the business needs to consider their distribution strategy. So does that look like a partnership with an offshore uh, organisation? Make sure you do your due diligence on that business, obviously. Um, Is it having an interim sales representative on the ground or a full-time sales representative on the ground in those markets? So first of all, the businesses need to establish what their distribution strategy looks like. Often that comes down to ability. It comes down to network um, and it comes down to budget um but in terms of um what COVID has done it's meant that if you're looking to do an interim um, sales representative you need a network and you need it's like recruiting in in a standard process but you're doing it offshore and that's really difficult so you need a network to tap into to be able to um that that is that is established because there are lots of new networks that are being established at the moment it needs to be well-rounded in terms of capability that you're looking for, and it needs to be trusted and respected.
0: Could I ask those networks, do they need to be industry-specific or can you just look for uh, someone who's a jack-of-all-trades in terms of understanding the different industries but it's more about the transition into a global market? What's the focus when you're trying to search for someone? My belief it needs to be industry-specific.
1: So it needs to be somebody that, let's say, food and beverage industry, they need to have that knowledge because not only um, should they come from that industry, they will have the network that you're looking for. So if they're acting as your representative, then you want to make sure that they know the industry, they know that they've got the contacts in that industry and they know how to hustle in that market. And as we've talked about previously, Alexi, in the U S when you're doing sales, it's very different to doing sales in Australia. So, having that interim service representative on the ground, in the market, with the experience, with the industry connections, and they know how to do sales, um, is going to give you an opportunity to be able to um, generate those uh, all-important clients in that market.
0: Isn't it funny the way you speak about sales? I mean, that to me sounds like a very much an Americanism. We talk about marketing. Um, <laughs> We think about online presence and 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 social media marketing. We, we don't actually say the word sales. It's almost got a bit of an icky feel to it. But in America, I imagine it is very much all about that.
1: It is very much about that. And it's very much about the approach that we take to sales as well and learning how to sell into the US. You know, you've heard me say hustle. And hustling is very big in the US. Um, the other thing that I would um, add, and I've done some coaching for businesses around pitching into the US. Um, we don't come across as pitch perfect. We don't come across as confident as Australians. And so as I'm coaching businesses to go into the US, as they're working with these interim sales representatives, it's very much around, you're probably in second gear and that's great for Australia. You need to be in fifth gear to be in the US. You need, you need to feel bold you're probably going to feel arrogant, but that's the level that you need to be operating at, um, and that and that takes um, quite a bit of um, development and change for the business leaders because we're not like that in Australia. But doing pitching in in the US is very different, which also means that if you can get an interim service rep, interim sales rep on the ground over there, that's what they've grown up, that's what they're they're accustomed to, and that's why. They will be more successful than you trying to do a virtual sale from Australia.
0: So the U.S. market is obviously the largest, and from what you're describing, can be a little bit big and scary to break into. A business is better off trialing, um, you know, a global presence in the EU or in China or in somewhere else. Um, or is it always best to go for the big boys first? Uh,
1: Mostly Australians go into the U.S. then the U.K. uh, and because language broadly is the same culturally, we, we tend to be more aligned to both of those markets. The US is a massive market, 325 million uh, people there. Um, and you know, the New York State, for example, the population is the same size as Australia. What I advise businesses is um, if they're able to launch in one state, So build out their business in one state, let's say New York State. If you are successful in that market, you can have a really, really successful international business. Remember, it's the size of Australia and and it's likely to give a greater ROI than what Australia will. But build out your market by going into one state first. Build out your value proposition. Build out your product development. Inevitably, most businesses need to make adjustments to their product um, to suit the U.S. market. So build out your product development. Use that state as your test market entry state. And once you've done that, then start looking at other states where your customers are and build your business out in that way. There are businesses that can go all over the U.S. at one, at one time and they're typically your online businesses. But um, if you can just launch into one state initially then that's going to give you so many more learnings that you can actually manage, um, rather than trying to do the whole market at one time, which ultimately could damage your brand if you're not able to manage that growth.
0: Now you mentioned um, earlier in the in the in the podcast about the. Trade grant that's available um, to support small businesses to go into into global markets or all australian businesses to go into global markets but mm. one of the mechanisms that's there is um, the australian presence in a lot of these places why is that so important and how do they help businesses um, to make the leap
1: uh, the australian networks um, overseas are absolutely fantastic for businesses to, to tap into There are lots of um, organisations which have got very successful business people, men and women, in those markets. They've been through the struggles and the challenges. They know the tips. They know what to avoid. They know what to do. They know how to speak the language of those in the market. And they're they're an essential resource for Australian leaders to tap into. Um, And and the other uh, important aspect of that is, because um, those business leaders in those markets have been through the experience. They're incredibly generous with their network and they introduce you to a whole variety of individuals that you would otherwise previously perhaps have struggled to get into. So tapping into those networks is vitally important for all business leaders.
0: Let's talk about the pitfalls now. Um, Trying to put the whole COVID thing aside, because I can imagine in your experience quite a few would have failed as a result of the supply chain issues that COVID just completely blew up. But just talking in general, what, what are the main pitfalls that you see businesses when they're making the mistake of, of going into that global market?
1: Yeah, I do just want to touch on COVID for a minute because obviously that's had a massive impact um, on all businesses. And if I can mention a um a webinar that I ran, which is on YouTube, called Skating During Tumultuous Times. Yeah. <laughs> I ran that early um, last year. i ran just early year. thinking to
0: myself, I don't think this is the last of the tumultuous times. There's <laughs> a lot to learn. Yeah, absolutely.
1: And, and what I was seeing was, um, you know, in uh, April, May, June last year, obviously, we were all really challenged by COVID. We really literally didn't know what was ahead of us. And as business leaders... Everything was going on. You know, we had to look after not only our business, we had to look after our staff, and we also had to take take care of our families. So as business leaders, it was an incredibly challenging time, and for many it still is. So I put together this um, particular webinar, and it's available free on FD Global Connections' YouTube site, and it talks about the five risk areas that all businesses should be looking at. And one of the key areas is your operational risk, and that goes into your supplier risk. And that is where we've had massive issues um, with our offshore suppliers. So I do encourage our businesses to have a look at that. But in terms of outside COVID, so what are some of the risks? I've indicated earlier, going into the US market, if you try and access the US market as one market, and there are 50 states and they're all to be treated differently, Um, you potentially could damage your brand because there might be so much demand for your product that you simply cannot cater for that. And that doesn't matter whether it's a a widget product, it doesn't matter whether it's a software as a service, any any product which um, is in demand so much that you haven't strategically planned for, the big risk is you will damage your brand. And once you've damaged your brand, it's very, very difficult to come back. So, making sure that you've got your operational plan in place and you, you've got those scenario plans in place is really important. Don't damage your brand, is the message. The other area where I see uh, risks is businesses really are very conservative on the budget um, that they put in place to go offshore. Um, and when I'm reviewing budgets for businesses, you know, it, it, uh, they're not where they need to be. And it's purely because they've not understand what the cost is just to get the business established, your insurance costs, your lawyer costs, your, your um, protecting your IP, um, you know, doing all of those important things. There is a significant cost and also it's in us dollars. And so you've got a currency exchange risk. So making sure that you've got a budget that is realistic and ensuring that that is built on the right advice from the people that are going to be doing the work for you is critically important and then add 10 percent <laughs> <laughs> and then add 10 percent.
0: i like that it's like it's like you're adding GST. um pretty I, much
1: pretty much yeah
0: about the whole most of these things happen in u.s dollars even if you're not looking at the u.s market and i suppose that's that's a big budgetary concern
1: Well, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, cross-currency risk um, is something that we often forget about when we're doing our planning, particularly if businesses don't have a dedicated CFO, um, which a lot of small businesses don't. But, um, yeah, cross-currency risk, there are ways of managing that um, and also ways of um, establishing, you know, bank accounts and bank structures that... um, give you advantages uh, if you've got a not sure business. So I'm no expert in that, but there are people that, you know, look at different bank structures and so forth to take advantage of those cross-currency issues.
0: And there's also a lot of software solutions on the market now to assist with that currency exchange so you're not stuck going to the big four banks and expecting to see what their exchange rate is and getting hit with fees and things as well, which is, which is good news for small business.
1: Um, Absolutely,
0: yeah. It's also important... To, would you suggest anybody going into a market with having no connections at all? I mean, that would be shooting yourself in the foot, wouldn't it?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. No, don't do that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, no. I mean, it,
1: particularly with COVID, um, it is it's vitally important that that you have the network there. And um, and as I mentioned earlier, Alexi making sure that the network that you tap into is established and it's trusted and it's respected because with COVID, we're seeing lots of new little networks pop up and, mm. and, and that is wonderful. And that's absolutely needed, but do they have the track record to deliver what you're looking for is, is the due diligence that businesses need to, to undertake.
0: That's fantastic. Um, look, we've come right up to the end of our time here today, Trina. I think we could definitely revisit this topic um, in another few months or in a year or so because no doubt the, the markets will change again or we might be hit with another global crisis. Uh, so <laughs> Let's hope not. <laughs> um, so where can people find out a little bit more about what you do and connect with you?
1: Um, so through our website, www.fdglobal.com.au. www.fdglobal.com.au. Or we have a LinkedIn uh, company page, which is FD Global Connections. Or you can reach out directly to me on LinkedIn. That's Trina with an E, T R
0: E N A Blair. Fantastic. And just remind me again where they can find that webinar, "Scaling During Turbulent Times."
1: That is FD Global Connections YouTube web, YouTube site. Uh, there's a number of uh, free webinars there. So not only that particular webinar, but also one that we conducted on the US market, one on Southeast Asia, and also one on the UK, MEA, late last year.
0: Fantastic. Look, thank you so much for joining us here, Trina. It's been very educational, and I'm sure everyone listening uh, will not only benefit for this for their own small business, but can give some good um, pointers for other small businesses who are considering considering scaling globally. Um, If anybody missed today's program, you can of course catch up via iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your small business podcasts, where there is a library of over 207 podcasts, just like this one, all completely free, ready for you to listen to. And a special thank you, of course, to the Australian Small Business and Family Enterprise Ombudsman, who is our sponsor and looks after us greatly. So you've been listening to Triple H 100.1 FM. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. And we look forward to seeing you all next week with another great guest. This week's episode was proudly broadcast from Triple H Studios in Sydney, Australia and sponsored by the Office of the Australian Small Business and Family Enterprise Ombudsman. If you've enjoyed listening, go ahead and give us some thank you stars on your podcasting platform. It would be much appreciated. Then head to the Small Biz Matters website where you can listen to over 170 episodes, read more about our speakers and find out how to become a media partner. See you all next time.